Hey there, Kelly here. Guests on the show share so many great ideas, but how do you start putting them into practice? Well, that's exactly what you'll explore when you sign up for the podcast weekly newsletter. Each week, you'll get three ideas from past guests sent straight to your inbox. You'll explore materials, techniques, tools, concepts, and mindsets in bite-sized pieces so that you can think about them and fold them into your own practice. It's completely free and you get it by signing up at learntopaintpodcast.com slash newsletter. With everything I do, I simplify, simplify, simplify. I do not overthink my art process at all because overthinking, for some people, it stops people. For me, it just gets me tired and I can't do that to myself. Hello and welcome to the Learn to Paint podcast, the show that gives you artistic tools you can put to work. I'm your host, Kelly Ann Powers, and today I have a special segment called The Art Habit. The Art Habit is where I talk with podcast art club members about the amazing art practices they are building right now. You'll get a preview of the segment here with the full conversation available to patrons over on patreon.com slash learn to paint podcast. Today's Art Habit guest is Allison Moyer-Smith, or concussion underscore recovery underscore art on Instagram. That's concussion recovery art. In the full conversation, you'll learn how to use hashtag challenges to improve your work, some great advice on making Instagram art friends, and why those friends will help you be a better painter. And you'll discover that sometimes you absolutely don't have to forge a new path. Just use the path that came with the map plus a whole lot more. For a link to the full conversation and to learn more about Moyer Smith, head to learntopaintpodcast.com slash podcast slash episode 79. That's also where you'll find a link to the podcast art club. I'd love for you to join us inside. Design and build your unique art practice with monthly challenges available only to club members. All right, here we go. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the podcast. You found painting as an adult. So how did you find art? I found art at 52 years old. I'd never really painted before that. And it comes for a really strange reason. When I was 49, I was standing still on a ski slope with a helmet on. I slipped backwards and got a concussion that changed my life. This was a concussion that would not heal on its own. And here's their public service announcement. If you have concussion symptoms more than two weeks, you need to get to the doctor right away. There are a lot of treatments. But I didn't do that because I wasn't given good medical advice. So I lingered with terrible symptoms for two and a half years, noise sensitivity, light sensitivity, cognitive problems, memory problems, speech problems, couldn't read, couldn't write. It was just this horrible, horrible and depression and anxiety constellation of very difficult things. The hardest thing I've ever been through. I finally, two and a half years, got the right care from a cognitive rehab specialist at Mass General. And one of the many things they did with me was to calm my nervous system, which had been on high alert with fight or flight with PTSD for two and a half years, was to take something called brain breaks, do something that is relaxing, that is non-screen, non-verbal. And she said, what do you like to do? I like to bake. Well, I'm going to ask you to do that five times a day. I said, well, that's not a viable option. So I think I like painting. My mom was a folk artist. She started in her 60s, but that was all always her domain. So I said, I like painting, I think. She sent me to a coloring book. I started in adult coloring books five times a day on my dining room table and would fill little squares with watercolors. And it was ugly, but it was peaceful. And the more I painted, 
the calmer my nervous system got, the better I got. And I, from there, I got bored of the coloring books and I moved on to small watercolors. And then a year later, I painted every day just because it felt good. And the more I painted, the healthier I felt in addition to a lot of the treatments. And then a year later, Santa brought me acrylics and boom, there's my medium. The vibrancy, the color, the thrill of acrylics. And that was now two and a half. So really, I've been painting for three years, and, but it came out of brain injury. Because you started it as part of recovery, was there a moment when you realized like, oh, I am now an artist or this has changed its purpose for me? That took four months. Santa brought acrylics. And then four months later, our town of Manchester by the Sea Historical Society had an art show. And I threw my hat in. Why not? So I put my pictures up on the wall and I had a little panel and I sold some paintings and it was magical. So that was the turning point. Just saying yes, my first yes. That's when I became an artist. For you, how important was it, do you think, that you saw progress? I mean, I guess, did you see progress? How did you interact with, or did it not even matter that you saw progress? You just enjoyed doing it. Oh, no, I like goals. I like progress. So to move, I mean, the bar was really low. I was in coloring books. And from then to be able to make a pretty little watercolor, and then a year later to start doing acrylics. And then I love progress. I need to see progress every day. I need to see change and growth every day. That's who I am. I'm extremely goal-oriented. So yeah, this is not just for fun. It is to for me, really, it is a sign of neuroplasticity. Literally, this comes out of brain injury. So neuro, I can see neuroplasticity at work, my brain healing itself as I learn more skills, as I take on more, as I take on more challenges. So I'm a walking, talking neuroplasticity with art, and I love it. So many of us enter art having this idea about what it means to be an artist and how you get there because you entered it through recovery and really thinking about a brain learning. Did that help you keep yourself sort of present and really focusing on what you could do and what you were learning as opposed to looking at others and being like, well, why am I not there yet? Yeah, I'm just happy to be here. I literally could have died that day the way Natasha Richardson died, the actress. She, we did the exact same thing. So for me, there are always going to be better artists, richer, thinner, better looking. There, that, that whole thing exists in art. So I am just grateful for all that I learn. I'm grateful even for the frustrations, the bad days in the studio. I am literally just grateful to be here and to have the privilege of doing the work every day. Well, we're going to talk about material. So you mentioned acrylic. Why acrylics? How, I mean, Santa, partly. But then I guess why have you kept with acrylics? Because I don't want to learn oils. Again, the brain, my brain injury has such an effect on my life because my basic frame in my life is, is this activity worth getting tired over? I have a limited bandwidth every day of how much activity and brain thinking I can do still even five and a half years out. So I have invested three years in acrylics. I am so not interested in putting that effort into oil. I guess they're better and buttery, blah, blah, blah. And that's great. But for me and how my brain works, acrylics work. And with everything I do, I simplify, simplify, simplify. I do not overthink my art process at all. Because overthinking, for some people, it stops people. For me, it just gets me tired. And I can't do that to myself. Could you talk to us about some of the places you have simplified? 
I took a painting class with Brian and Debbie Miller, who I adore. They were the first ones. And me being me, again, I am pretty fearless after the brain injury. And then I had breast cancer when I had toddlers. So I've had a lot of bad stuff happen. So I'm pretty fearless. And I saw the Millers on Instagram and they had these pretty flowers. And so I just signed up for a course in March. And I walk in there going, how does everybody know all this stuff that they paint their canvases red and that they know how to use their Stay Wet palette? And that's when I discovered I had jumped into habit forming flowers two everybody else had taken class number one but that's how I roll so what I did I took the course I used the Miller's materials they do small six by sixes I do small six by sixes they put the red under paint I put the red under paint I use their palette colors I don't really add many I take away some maybe and I literally use the two brushes Debbie recommended rosemary brand size four and ten that's it so many people have this like pressure of like, oh, I need to try a new thing. Or then you follow a new teacher and you should, you know, you want to try what they're doing that, that we try on all these different things as artists, especially when we're starting out. But you've actually gone, like you've said, simplify, simplify, simplify. So what has that given you as an artist as and as an artist learning to paint? I think it gave me great comfort because they've done the work. They've done the thinking. It works. Number two, when I get bored with the little six by sixes, I do sneak down to Michael's and I do buy some big ones and I do try to go big occasionally, but it gives me freedom and less thinking about things. And I can't do that in my life. I've got to save my thinking for what needs it and materials don't. Right. Yeah. I'm so struck by that because I feel like a lot of us get to that, but it takes us years and you sort of just into, not just intuitively, but like. I got here out of necessity. I literally have very small bandwidth. I'm a very very energetic person, but I poop out really easily. And I poop out in weird ways where language gets difficult and I get tinnitus. And so my poop out, my getting fatigued is consequential. And another way I have adapted, adopted what people do as acrylic artists, I use the stay wet, but I do all of my mixing in it. I don't have the nice big puddles and then I put them on a nice piece of palette paper because I don't have time. I just open that stay wet four, five, six times a day. I let it sit there for two hours open if I'm working or if I forget to close it. It's not just not a big deal. I don't care. So my stay wet is a big mess and I love it the way it is. And it's also really pretty, but this is my process. Well, talk to me about where you paint. What does your studio look like? I love it when people ask about my studio. My studio is, we are in it. Do you see the refrigerator behind me? There's a sink. There's the dishwasher. There's the stove. And there's all the Cheez-Its that my family eats. I paint on my kitchen island. And I have a stand-up easel. And I am, my art is a part of our family life. I'm very grateful to my family because it's not pretty. It takes up space. They're very kind. But I am, you know, the kitchen is the hub for a mother. And I am in my work in and out all day. In and out, in and out, in and out. I don't do four-hour painting stretches. I just don't. I am at the kitchen. And I throw the cookies in and I look at my painting and I undo the dishwasher and I'm still thinking about my painting. It's just a part of my and my very kind family's life. Because the painting is in a lived in space, what does that give you from a thinking standpoint that maybe you wouldn't have if your paintings were off in a removed area? Last night, I just posted a picture of our dog that I painting of our dog that I did. And 
I walked by it about five minutes later to put something in the dishwasher probably, and I realized that the lights weren't light enough. So this happens all the time. It happened with what I was working on this morning. That's not quite right. So I get to fix things all day long. Right, because part of painting is looking. And everybody's looking. And I have four people looking, which is really nice, actually. And I think that's an important part of being an artist is having whoever you live with give you feedback. And not just, oh, that's so good, because if you paint a lot, you're going to paint a lot of paintings. But, and if you, I have one friend who's a painter whose husband had no idea what to say. He would look at her painting and go, I don't know how, I don't know what to say. So she taught him. And what I recommend to people, if they have family members or people they live with who don't know how to give feedback, you say, okay, in this painting, my goal was to do the darks really dark. Do you think I got it? And in this painting, my goal was to do X. What do you think? And over time, they will, your loved ones will gain the verbal ability. They will gain the ability to see what you're doing and be able to give you really important feedback. On the dog painting I did last night, my husband said, this paw is too short. It's got to go off the edge of the painting. That was really helpful feedback because it's here. We were having our coffee this morning by the fire and we were looking at it. Did you guys have to learn together what you needed from them? And then maybe also what you didn't need from them as far as feedback? They know me well. They know I'm very sensitive. My daughter is incredibly encouraging. My husband, they're all very encouraging. My son has a great artistic eye. But generally he goes, that's good, mama, which I love. He's 16, but it's so sweet. And my husband is very, very good at giving feedback. What I love about what you're saying is that you claimed it from the beginning. Like it has been part of your family's experiencing too, which means that they know how important it is to you. Yes. And the more I do, the healthier I get, the more I live life. So it is my art as part of concussion recovery is reflective of my return to a full life. I spent years, Kelly, literally on our couch with a blanket over my head, wearing a hat and sunglasses underneath. So I was flattened. So to see me up and busy and engaged in my brain and quiet and reflecting and learning new skills and going off to classes. My family is incredibly happy because it shows that that era is over. Are there any things that you had to set up so that you could work in a central location in your house? I keep things smallish. You know, I use the far end of the kitchen island unless I'm in a big project. And that's about it. I have a light that I bring in and out from another room, but it's pretty contained and they're very, very patient. Was there any learning curve around that for either your family or you, like things you had to figure out about that dynamic of you being in the central space with the painting? I initially started in a room far away. I wanted to not be here because I thought I could, I didn't want to be in the way. And I did that and I was just a room away, but I felt a little lonely. The light wasn't great. It was a little cold. We have a pellet stove in this room, so we're a lot warmer. I'm in, I'm north of Boston. So for all these reasons, I just moved on in here and it really works well as being a part of, I mean, the mom is the hub of the family and art is now part of the hub. You mentioned that you paint every day. Do you consider yourself a daily painter? I call myself a daily-ish painter. Talk to us about what that means. Well, when it happens, it happens. Mostly I'm a daily painter. Right now I am really a daily painter. I am doing the 100 day challenge. Holy moly. It's day 43. So yes, I've been 43 days in a row. But you know what? I actually think I've been painting since, I've been painting for years now, daily-ish. What does daily-ish painting give you? 
Dalish painting gives me calm nervous system, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of growth, a sense of excitement, a sense of looking at the world differently. I walk down the street differently. You know how in your other podcast, people say, oh, I squint and I see the values. You know what? I do that too now. I'm looking for references in strange places. It makes everything the potential. Everything I do is a potential for a painting. Yesterday, I went to the beach and it was the first day I had seen beach chairs out there. And that we're in April and it was such a thrill. And I think, oh, it's almost, I could go home and paint beach chairs because that's a happy thing. Mostly my paintings, my paintings must follow my excitement. If I'm not excited about doing that painting, it shows, I don't care. I have a hard time sometimes doing your challenges because the, the reference photo doesn't excite me. And I've noticed that doesn't work. And I keep doing it because I learn something every time. But generally for my own work, I have to go, boom, let's do this. And that's why I've, I'm feeling a little bit stuck in this challenge because it's longy. And I've been doing a lot of fruit, so much fruit. And I'm getting a little tired of fruit. And I went back to flowers. And I don't care about flowers because I've done years of flowers. So I asked my Instagram buddies, what should I do? And they suggested, you've got a dog. So I've done two dog paintings. And here, here's Gustav. And I've learned a lot doing two Gustavs. But he bores me. I love him, but I don't want to paint him anymore. So I moved on to today's painting. Can I show you and talk about it? Yeah. So I have a goal. I'm really goal-oriented in everything I do. And part of it is concussion recovery is that it helps to have goals, physical therapy like that. My goal is we're in April and I've been taking a figure drawing course all winter. And I love it. Charcoal, naked people. It's been awesome. My goal though is to do figures in landscapes. And I've never done it. I've done landscapes separately. I've done figures separately. Now, this summer, I want to merge them. So I realize I'm afraid to paint people, actually. So what I did today was, okay, it's time. Enough with the dog. Start with the people. So I found this really cool reference photo of a pregnant belly in a book. And then I did her in charcoal to get the value strong. And then I did the brave thing. And I tried and I did it in paint. So this is how I work. I found the reference photo this morning. I worked on the charcoal in the morning for 20 minutes or so. I went out to exercise. I came back. I decided to keep painting because I'd rather paint than shower at this point. So I painted this value study and it's done. I was done by 1130 today. My daily painting was done. So I feel a sense of accomplishment. And again, in concussion recovery, having been lying on a couch for two and a half years with no sense of accomplishment, to feel a sense of completion and accomplishment at 1130 in the morning. Having learned a ton, that's a good day. You can learn more about Allison Moyer-Smith at her website, www.concussionrecoveryart.com and on Instagram. Thank you so much for being with us today, Allison. Thank you for being interested in my work in the concussion recovery. And thank you for all that you do for us, your fans, the people who listen. I learn so much from your thoughtful questions, your comments, your guests, and you are putting so much beauty and good out in the world. And I'm really grateful you are in my world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this preview segment of The Art Habit. For the full interview, look for the link at learntopaintpodcast.com slash podcast slash episode 79. Look for the Patreon link there and sign up at any tier. Thank you to everyone in the podcast art club who makes special conversations like this possible. Extra shiny thank yous to High Gloss supporters, Andrew Atterbury, Debbie and Brian Miller, Rihanna DeRold, Janet Wheeler, Nancy Bryant, Pam Lyle, and Slow River Studio. Happy painting!